Welcome to Walker World's podcast. My name's Rachel and this is the podcast where we wander behind the veil and take a look at some of those little known and long forgotten urban legends and spooky stories. If you like your stories dark and with a touch of the paranormal, please feel free to subscribe. It would be great to have you here. Morganton in North Carolina is like any small town in America. Its heart is littered with small family-owned businesses. Restaurants and cafes open out onto the streets, allowing people to sit and watch the world go by. A handful of craft breweries caught the town home and there are a number of historical properties within the town's boundaries. All of this is nestled at the foot of the Brown Mountains. But there's something else that Mornington, or at least the Brown Mountains, is famous for. For many years, the mountains have been home to reports of mysterious happenings and ghostly sightings. The ghost lights are reported sporadically for many years near Brown Mountain. The lights have been seen at several locations and these lookouts are clearly marked on the motorways and roads leading through the area. Some of the earliest reports of ghost lights come from Cherokee Indians, settlers and Civil War soldiers. Thousands have witnessed the spectacle, which is ongoing to this day. The lights have been investigated several times by the United States government and countless times by private groups and often studied by students at the Appalachian University. The lights were even featured in an episode of The X-Files in 1999 and I featured them in my novel Letters from Montauk. Many people believe that the lights are gas being emitted from the mountains or in more modern times to be the reflections of truck and train lights winding themselves along paths hidden in the mountains trees. As we said, there are several lookout points for the lights and businesses within the area even offer tours to see them. When they appear, the lights seem to bob and dance across the treetops, seemingly doing as they please. Yet when you climb the mountains, they mysteriously disappear. Apparently, these strange lights only like to be viewed from certain places and at certain times. But let's take a look at the legends surrounding these strange lights. As we previously mentioned, some of the earliest reports came from the Cherokee Indians, settlers and Civil War soldiers. The oldest known reports of the Brown Mountain Lights date back to around 1200 AD. The cause of the lights, according to the Native American people who called this area home, is that a battle that was fought in the year 1200 and many warriors were slain on the ridges of Brown Mountain. This battle was supposed to have been fought between the Cherokee and Catawba nations. More specifically, the lights were supposed to be the lost spirits of the maidens whose husbands or lovers were killed in that battle so long ago. The first known non-Native American scientist to study the lights and the first white record we have of them comes from a German engineer named Gerard William de Braun. Upon studying the lights, Braun concluded the lights were caused by nitrous-based vapours that were being emitted by the mountains and mixing and then combusting in the air before degrading away. Other legends give the cause of the lights to be the spirits of Revolutionary War soldiers. A family had migrated across the mountains of western North Carolina, finally settling close to Blowing Rock at the foot of which is now known as Brown Mountain. At the outbreak of the Revolutionary War, the father left his wife with her three small children to fight for his country. After the war, he returned to find only the charred remains of his house. Half crazed by despair and grief, he searched frantically for any signs of his family. All day he hunted and when night came he continued his long search, lighting his way with a crude torch. Constantly roaming, it is said that overcome by hunger and fatigue, he died on the top of Brown Mountain. 
thus it is his restless, ever-searching spirit that wanders over that mountain to this very day, haunting it with his eerie beacon. Local law also states that the cause of the lights comes from the possible murder of a local woman at the hands of her adulterous husband, who tracked her into the mountains and murdered her there. News reports state that another legend dates back to around 1850, when a man named a woman named Belinda disappeared into the Brown Mountain area, and her husband Jim was suspected of murdering her. Everyone in the community helped search for Belinda. One night, during the search, strange lights appeared over Brown Mountain. Many believed they were the spirit of the dead woman coming back to haunt her killer. The search ended without Belinda being found, and Jim soon left the county never to be heard from again. Many years later, under a pile of stones in a deep ravine on Brown Mountain, a woman's skeleton was found and the lights that had been seen during the search started to appear again. And they have been seen ever since, reminding evildoers that their crimes will be revealed. The lights continued to be seen and at last the United States government took an interest. In 1952, the US Air Force established Project Blue Book, an organisation to document and debunk UFO phenomenon. Project Blue Book had two goals. One, to determine if UFOs were a threat to national security, and two, to scientifically analyse any UFO-related data. During that time, Project Blue Book launched an extensive study of the Brown Mountain Lights. The Air Force classified the Brown Mountain Lights as unexplained. Although most Project Blue Book studies were released under the Freedom of Information Act, the documents of the Brown Mountain study remain classified, and in 1969, Project Blue Book was supposedly shut down. More recently, in October 2011, hundreds of eyewitnesses claimed to have seen the lights, many captured images and a video of the event. There are also several videos available on YouTube, although not all of them are of great quality. There have been several other studies of the lights, including 1913 United States Geological Survey, a 1919 Smithsonian Survey, a second United States Geological Survey in 1922, and a study which spanned 15 years from 1995 to 2010 by the League of Energy, Materialization and Unexplained Phenomenon Research, otherwise known as LEMA. Even the LEMA study can't accurately conclude what causes the lights. They reported on nights when the lights would appear, because they don't appear every night, a Geiger counter would go haywire. On the evening of the 2nd of November 2001, Lima shot clear video footage of a pulsating sphere of white light rising steadily above the ridge and disappearing into the sky over the course of 60 to 90 seconds. The anomaly produced no sound and could not be explained as a conventional aircraft, as there were no blinking or coloured lights. You can only assume that they also checked flight radars and other kind of other um, airports for any reports of aircraft in the area. But here's where it gets a little bit creepy. While many believe that the lights are a natural product of the area, Lima reports that the mountains are primarily made up of quartz and magnite magnetite which can be forced when under pressure to cause reaction there are some who believe that the lights are linked to UFOs and alien alien abductions. Ralph Lale, a furniture salesman in 1961, decided to go and check out the Brown Mountain lights, but what he described was more than just witnessing lights. It involved an abduction and a mummy. He went out into the wilderness to investigate the curiosity. What he reported was an encounter with a 10 to 12 foot wide 
perfect circle with a brown center suspended inside a glowing ball with three hand-like appendages on each side that seemed to extend from it. He apparently felt the odd glowing ball scan him as he remained in a paralyzed and numb state. When he came to from it, he chased the light to a cave at the base of the mountain where it entered and Lael followed. The tale takes an even more incredible interpretation as he stated that a voice told him not to fear it, that it was a gas-based life form from Venus. The speaker announced that humans on Earth were colonized here from another planet that destroyed itself from splitting the electron, and the voice announced that man was nearing that situation again in which the Vesuvian... Venus... Venusians would have to destroy them. The furniture salesman was then told to not tell anyone of the cave and if he kept it a secret, he would be given secret knowledge of the universe. His story goes on to say that he kept the promise and the Venusians then allowed him on a vehicle to their planet to meet their people who were all male, with the exception of one beautiful female that he was allowed to mate with, obviously. Happens a lot in these kinds of stories. He was then sent back home to warn people about splitting electrons. He was taken back to the cave where he found the mummy of a small person with a huge head and spindly limbs. He was told he could take the mummy as proof of his experience. Eventually, Lael wrote a book, Brown Mountain Light, that told about his experiences. He placed the specimen in a glass case with a blanket over its lap and teeth bearing and people came to see the oddity. The body got more attention than he imagined with some supposed men in black coming to check it out. When he died in 1978, his shop was bulldozed and the body was never accounted for ever again. There is a single known photograph of this body which shows some kind of creature with a towel over its lap and its teeth bared. Another report is that the area is also home to Bigfoot. In 2001, the following reports were written by a team investigating the area. It was dark and we noticed we were running low on firewood. We walked down a trail on the south side of the campsite to get some wood from a small clearing which we had noticed earlier. We were watching some lights move across Brown Mountain trying to determine if they were the Brown Mountain lights or if they were just motorcycles. At any rate, it was about this time we heard the noise. We had flashlights off because we were watching the lights on Brown Mountain. Then we heard this long scream. We stopped in our tracks and listened carefully. The scream repeated. It was coming from the southwest of our location deep in the valley. We hurried back up to the camp and turned off the radio in the truck. The scream continued. Now this has been going on for a couple of minutes and the scream changed. It would scream for a few seconds and then the sound would start to break up. At the time we described it as a cackle-like sound, but the news newspaper article described it as a yodeling sound, which is more accurate. This continued on for several minutes. Every few seconds, another scream would come and then carry on into this yodel. Both of us are avid campers and camp in this same area every October, but we had never heard a sound like this before. We first thought perhaps it was a mountain lion because we had heard their cries, which are often compared to a woman screaming in pain. We debated for a while and at last decided to move to another campsite for the night as we had not explored our surroundings much prior to nightfall. We have yet to be back, but we have full intentions of going back and exploring the valley from which the sound came. I could find no other investigation which says that they actually went back to that area. So maybe whatever is in the area scared them off. And that, ladies and gentlemen, as crazy as it sounds, is the tale of the Brown Mountain Lights. You can go and watch for them. You go to North Carolina, find the areas that are all listed on Google, and you can stand there at night and keep a lookout for the brown mountain lights. 
but are they a natural phenomenon or something a little more supernatural? That's for you to decide. Until next time, stay spooky.